Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Thank you. I realize. Okay, let's give it a shot. And thank you, thank you. Do you realize this is Monday night? What are you thinking? <laughs> thank you for coming. I, I want to try to take a run at some two things. One is easy, the other one's difficult. The easy one was a question, what happened when you had this long date with your kids from 4 to it went on to almost 7 o'clock to your 5.30 family meeting? Well, it was easy. At 5.25, when I saw that we needed more time, I needed more time with one of the kids. At, yeah, it didn't happen much until they got to be teenagers, and it took a lot of time. But as I saw that I needed more time with them, I would just call Debbie and say, you go ahead, you lead the meeting of you and the others without me, and that's how we did it. And sometimes, because I always had a 7 o'clock meeting, because I'm a pastor, every pastor has 500 7 o'clock meetings each week. Sometimes, if the meeting went longer with the kids, I canceled my evening meeting, because that was priority. Okay? That's the easy one to respond to. The harder one is this. And it's true. I wish I could say this well. Jesus help me. We've all messed up. You know, logically, by, by statistics, who the worst father ever was? God. Because what he did to parent his kids resulted in most of them running away. I, I don't want to say that flippantly. But they're free. None of us were parented well ourselves. We've all messed up. We all <laughs> come short when it comes to parenting. It's hard work. And I want to thank you. We need to get more help and more talk in helping the parents help the kids. Can I just say this? Please don't beat yourself. Please receive God's grace for your spousing and your parenting. Don't beat yourself. You probably, most of the time, did better than you should have based on what you came to the situation with, by God's grace. Don't beat yourself. It's over. Do the best you can to take responsibility for where you know you were wrong. If you can, if, if there's something to do to undo it, give it a shot, but that's almost impossible. Above all, know that you're loved and valued. Let God be your Father. Know you're loved and valued. And He says, it's over. Look forward and say, what can we do to make a little progress toward the future? Do you hear me? I mean, I, I'm sorry, I assumed you had a, a child, you know. But, and I apologize for not saying that better sooner. This isn't about looking back, and, and we're talking about ideals. Our family was very unusual. First of all, we had triplets. You, that gets your attention, okay? And, and my wife did several things. Number one, she's the most, she's just fabulous with kids. 
They would walk in and she would intentionally light up. She calls it light up. I said, honey, you know what that means? But she would intentionally light up. That means she'd shine and she'd glow and she'd say, I'm so glad to see you. Can you imagine what it does in a kid's heart? Most moms aren't wired that way. Debbie made a covenant with the Lord that she would never say a bad thing about me. Had she told the truth about me, my kids would have never talked to me. I'm really wanting to say something here. It, it was a partnership. Many parents don't have a partnership. They're pulling by themselves. And it's hard. I don't think that means we shouldn't aim toward the ideal. But we have to know, without making excuses inappropriately, we have to know, we didn't know... we. We didn't have the skills it took if we did know. We made mistakes, but the future is what we're thinking and talking about. And we're going to make progress. God's for us. He's with us. Okay? Okay. I have so many people say to me, give anything if we'd have known this when we're raising our kids. And then they take off on beating themselves. And I need to remember to somehow, someway, articulate. We're here to talk about the future. There's grace for the past. Now let's go for the truth in the future. Okay? Okay. Thank you. All right. I think I'm going to skip this, though I want to do it, but let's see if we have time for it at the end. What I was going to do here is I was just going to bring someone up and actually do what Debbie talked about in her story. I wouldn't plan on telling that story. I was going to model what... We did what I did with Deborah, what I do with every week with each of our kids. I was just going to model that one-on-one -on -one meeting where I say in the one-on-one -on -one meeting, the curriculum is, does anybody have an idea? Uh, no, your pastor can't answer because uh, I already told him. Does anyone else have an idea what the curriculum was? In other words, what did I study what did we study on our dates? What, when I was out with the kids one-on-one, -on -one, do you have any idea what the curriculum we studied was? Hmm? Boom, who said that? Way to go. My child was the curriculum. I was seeking to know not just what happened to my child, but the internal workings based on what happened so I could deal with the heart and try to get the heart all the way to the truth of Jesus and get the two to become one. Thank you. Way to go. In our family meeting that we modeled with the kids last night, do you have any idea what the curriculum was that in that meeting? That's a long sentence. <laughs> and you're right. <laughs> no, that was good. The curriculum is Jesus. So we looked at who he is, what he did, what he's saying to us through scripture, what he wants us to do as dead to ourselves and alive to him as his servants, and what he will do to empower us to do his will. It was all, it's to be all about Jesus. So they got Sunday school and Bible and dad's a preacher and all that. They got the information in all the other structures. But in the family structures, the kids were the curriculum on the one-on-one, -on -one, and you can't you can't do the in-depth curriculum in a small group because can you? How many small groups will meet for eight hours a night? 
Because by the time you listen to this one and work with them and listen to this, you, you can't do it. So that's why the most important people in our lives are our kids, and they deserve and they desperately need one-on-one -on -one attention around Jesus. But they're the curriculum. You're wanting to know and understand them before you even begin. You know exactly where they are and why they're there before you begin to try to move them. Okay? Does that make sense? Sort of? Okay. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll, let's see if we have time for this later on. Let me... Uh, Uh, I'll, I'll skip this too. This is what we did with the kids last night. This is what we did this morning. This right here, intentionally, relationally, formally equipping your children to be discipled by Jesus. This is what we did every night at 5.30, five nights a week with our family. Led by me, unless I was gone and Debbie led it then. Okay? Instantly, as they got older, we took turns leading because we were equipping them to do these kinds of meetings. Alright? Then, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to go over these questions, but they're available to you if you want them. But these are the core questions. All these questions are questions that Jesus asked his disciples. And we use them to focus on Jesus. Who do you say that I am? We talk about Jesus. Do you understand what I have done for you? We talk about what Jesus has done. We talk to Jesus. Are you listening to me? We, we work on hearing what Jesus is saying from us. Do you know what I want you to do? Do you love me? Then I want you to feed, care for my sheep. And we talk about hearing Jesus from all we know of Scripture, all we know by the Spirit about what He wants to do that week through us in our families, with lost people, and with church people. And then, do you trust me? Do you believe me that I'll help you, I'll empower you to do what I've called you to do? So that meeting is all about Jesus. And that's the meeting that when we're going from church to church, we do typically seven or eight of these meetings, early mornings and late nights, with anybody who wants to come, just to do it over and over, because never two meetings the same. Because the, it's all about relationships, and they're so dynamic and changing all the time, they're just, they're always different. And so we do it eight times, so pastors and people can see all kinds of, how it just plays out, alright? So, I've got two core meetings that we did a lot of other things, but there are two core meetings that we worked on all the time. The individual one, the, the, the doing heart surgery, the helping them guard their heart that we talked about last night, my one-on-one -on -one date, Debbie's one-on-one -on -one dates with the kids where they were the curriculum, that meeting, and then the meeting around the round table, and we went out and bought a round table for our family meetings, and a round table is really better than anything else because you have to see everybody, but we did that we did that every night with the whole family, okay? Two core meetings. Now, here's the message I want you to hear, and I fumbled through it earlier. If you do these two meetings or something like them, if you have intentional and, and almost formal ways of being together where you literally act as if Jesus were a person, you literally act as if Jesus were alive, you act as if he's important. You act as if he's present. I.e., you bring Jesus to the table. In the one-on-one -on -one times, or the group times, if your family has that much intentional conversation with and about Jesus, then, as you're going on trips, as you're driving to school, 
when conflict happens, when decisions have to be made, if you've got this foundation in place, then it's very natural for you to include Jesus in the bump and grind of life without making him the bad cop. Does that make sense? If you don't do these kind of very intentional times where the leader of the family draws the family together and has the wisdom to have them like it. Did, did the kids last night, remember the kids who were at the table? Did they like it? Sure. We had fun, didn't we? That was easy. Uh, we all broke, but it was easy. <laughs> they only got four bucks a piece. Well, they didn't kill us. Okay. But, but if you have the wisdom to get the kids together, individually or as a group, around Jesus. Then that creates the environment. They know that Jesus is a part of the family. They know Jesus is important. They know dad and mom are determined to do what we do because of Jesus. He's our reason for living. Our motive is to know and please Him. They know that because we've talked about it over and over and over and over and over and over again. So then, when issues come up, it's not new to talk about Jesus. Other than that, the only time Jesus comes up is during Sunday school, and that often doesn't happen. Or when there's a traumatic issue, and finally you say, "Well, Jesus wouldn't want you to do that." Oh, great! That makes that improves things, you know. So I I beg you to think about what will it take for me to demonstrate with my family. Number one, that Jesus is the key to my life, and I'll do anything to help you know him and follow him because he's saving my life. See, and, and I wish I could say, if you'll just get your kids to Sunday school, that'll take care of it. It won't. For most. I'm sorry to tell you that. Okay? Alright. All right. Oh, yeah, I just... <laughs> there, there's what I was trying to say. If we disciple our children very intentionally and probably formally in being led by Jesus in the routine of life as a way of life, it is far more probable that we can disciple our children the big and or hard issues of life. Okay? If, if you wait to bring Jesus until you're talking about should your daughter break up with Mr. Wonderful, all she's going to do is rebel. Or submit under pressure but not have an internal heart change. Okay? It's Chopper Dallas Club there, right? Rules without relationship produces rebellion. Oh, thank you. I hadn't heard it, but that's good. We'll write that down. I'll put it up. Okay. Rules without relationship produce rebellion. Good. Okay. Okay. Um, we could tell you a bunch of stories. The real discipling of your family happens. Oh, I don't mean the, we we put in a lot of hours in the formal time. Can you tell that? Have you heard that? Okay, we were very intentional, very purposeful. We invested lots of time. But what really matters is what you are in the bump and the grind. When it's not the official time where dad is talking with the kid, you know, we're having a family meeting. What really disciples them is how you react, how you behave, what you choose, how you spend your money, how you spend your time, how, how, what you talk about in the informal times. If you talk Jesus language naturally and normally, including Jesus, in the bump and grind of life, they will be disciples that this is how Christians live. If the only time you talk about Jesus is when someone else talks about him on Sunday, what happened? 
I think, let, let me look ahead and see what's up here. I think I've got time to tell you, um, sorry. I think I've got time to tell you a story that Debbie alluded to last night to illustrate how hard what I'm talking about is, as if you didn't know that. Uh, to illustrate the importance, and honey, you have freedom to interrupt any time. We have somewhat differing spins on this event in our life. That's never happened to anyone else, has it? Yeah, are we telling my version or your version? Well, we'll tell mine until you tell the truth. <laughs> Here's the story, and you feel free to interrupt at any point, all right? And, and, and we could tell other stories that... Oh, she's I restarted it, and she's talking. <laughs> Once upon a time, this. <laughs> Can I set up the scenario? No! Sure, you set it up. You do anything you want. You tell the whole story. Okay, then I'll so, tell the truth. <laughs> so, so we're, it's our family vacation, and the kids are juniors in high school, and Dan is in the, is in middle school. And um, we're, our vacation is going to be to drive all the way from Oklahoma. We have to go through Napa. We have to go all the way to California for all of these meetings we have to go through. And the really the only day we have for vacation is one Sunday. Because the next Monday, the, the triplets are leaving to go on a choir tour with the church in California. And so for our whole family, we just have one day of vacation. So we wake up early. I mean, we decided we needed to go to church. And so, of course, we thought, let's see, we get one time to, a year to pick what church, what church we want to go to. And we picked one in Los Angeles, and we were in Bakersfield, California. How long of his drive four is that? Hours. So that's a four-hour drive. Okay, so what time do we need to leave to get there on, on time? Four o'clock. Four, four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> okay, we'll start our one-day vacation at four o'clock in the morning so that we can be at church on time in Los Angeles. So... Am I doing okay? You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> so we go down to Los, Los Angeles and we go to our church service and after church service we're hungry and so we thought, ah, oh, a one day vacation. Let's eat. Something big. Let's do, let's eat. Oh, let's go to McDonald's. <laughs> so we went to, to McDonald's, but it, we wanted to make it really, really fun. So, okay, we're in this gigantic parking lot, but I saw a little patch of grass. I said, let's go eat on the grass. Okay, so all six of us get out and eat on this grass out here to make it a little bit more special than just going through the drive-thru at McDonald's. And so, um, you know, the teens are going, rolling their eyes, you know, oh yeah, this is, mom, we, can't, we don't let her out often. <laughs> okay. And so, um, so then we're sitting there having a, a, a little picnic and, and I remember that my grandma lives here and my grandma's 90 and my grandma might not live very much longer and this will be my last time to see her and, and so can we run by the nursing home? And so we went from McDonald's to the nursing home. And then, I'm sure, I don't know whose idea it was, but we could go to the beach. Because, wow. Whose idea do you think it was? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we drove to the nearest beach. Well, I know I didn't probably think it through. My husband hates the sand, and he hates to go out in the sun. And so, well, honey, here you can read a book in the car, okay? <laughs> the kids and I are gonna go enjoy the water. And so we're in the water, and we're having so much fun, and we're jumping the waves, and and this is our one day of vacation, and woohoo! And it's about 3 o'clock, and maybe 
3.30 and I think, you know what? I think Disneyland has special rates. And, and if you get there at 5 o'clock, it's cheaper than if you go for the whole day. And we could be there from 5 o'clock to, I think they close about 10. We could be there about 5 hours of Disneyland. I know it'll be a lot of money to spend, but we just have one day of vacation. And so, um, so let's run back and tell that. Should I take it from there? You can take it from there. Now, some of what she said is true. So, I'm there, reading this book, in the back seat of the car, being allergic, and da, 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 all those reasons why. But anyhow, I'm there, and they come running up, and I say, what's up? They said, oh, we get to go to Disneyland. I go, really? And so I know it's about an hour and a half drive. And I know that by the time we get there, and it was later, I know by the time we get there, there's going to be an hour left. And I know that there's no such thing as night rates. I know that it's going to cost 80 to 90 bucks to get there per person. That's six, that's four and eighty. And then I know there's a parking thing. So we're going to spend over 500 bucks to go to Disneyland for an hour. <laughs> it doesn't take me long to say, this is very bad stewardship. <laughs> Crystal clear to me. So, being the great father, I might said, really? What about Disneyland? Oh, yeah! Well, okay. Well, okay. And I went, oh, <laughs> So, we're driving along, and it was all excited and pumped, and, and I said, hey, tell you what, why don't we, why don't we just kind of slow it down here a second? You know, we're, we're all committed to following Jesus, right? All of a sudden, it got quiet. <laughs> and, and we're committed to not doing anything. Remember the Dana story last night? Have you asked Jesus? We're committed to letting Jesus lead us instead of us being leaders, right? Very quiet. But, well, okay, come on now, gang. Work with me here. This is a big deal now. This is a, just my and life is made up of one nights at a time. So... Could we at least include Jesus in our family? He's right, okay. Can we include Jesus enough so we ask him if he wants us to go to Disneyland? Dead silence. Until from the middle of the back seat. I go, oh. I'm trying to do is be a nice, good dad, trained like you to follow Jesus and the details of life else. He never, because all of us made up details. I didn't say that. Come, come on, come on. And then, <laughs> you wouldn't believe this, but out of the corner of my eye, I looked at my wife. Do you have any idea of the expression on her face? <laughs> you, you look, this is how she normally looks. You have no idea. <laughs> What can happen to her face? <laughs> when her little bears are being attacked by a bear. <laughs> and I won't tell you what I thought. <laughs> Except I'm dead. <sighs> so I got one crying. I got mama not happy. And then mama ain't happy. 
And so then I said, well, come on, let's just talk about it. We agree, that's our commitment. And it just went south. I mean, we didn't talk about Jesus or priorities or money or time. Or, I don't, it just went crazy. Yeah, we were like, we were like this coming out of the water. We were like, woo, it's party time, woo And then he said, does Jesus want us to go to Disneyland? And I went, woo! I mean, the Jesus card. <laughs> okay. So, it's as cold and as tense as you can imagine. I mean, we're into a major conflict. It, it, it was a holy war, if you know what I mean. And now I understand I was atheists. <laughs> Anyhow. So I, so then, being very wise, I said, okay gang, here's the deal. We are going to Disneyland. No matter what the cost. Doesn't make any difference. We're going to Disneyland. I want everybody to know we're going to go to Disneyland. We're going to have fun. And, and it's going to be good. And we're going to make the best of this wonderful. We're going to Disneyland. So no more crying, no more anger. We're going to Disneyland. Now, I would pay a thousand dollars to have a meaningful discussion about how we practice following Jesus because we're going to have to live it all around. So we're going to Disneyland and I'd happily pay not to go to Disneyland but to have the discussion we're going to have. I would pay for that. So let me get happy. Now, let's talk about walking by the Spirit instead of by the flesh. Let's talk about it. And these kids are juniors, they're, you know. And so I don't have a clue about how that discussion went. I think it, I don't have a clue. Do you remember? We were raw. So, I will tell you, we got to Disneyland. Guess what? No night rates. Guess what? It cost $480 to get in. Guess what? I, I'm not saying I was right about everything, just saying. <laughs> Guess what? There was only an hour before closing time. Oh, no, 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 that part's wrong. No, it's not. That's right. <laughs> now, who do you do? Aaron, come on! You didn't want a mic tonight. How many know that it stays open till 10 o'clock at night? And it was 9 o'clock? No, it wasn't! <laughs> The sun was going down when you were in the ocean. That's why you came out of the ocean. Well, anyway, we've worked this all out. So, there we are. And I kind of look at the sign. And Mama Bear says, $480 That's ridiculous! We're not going to pay that to go to Disneyland. And we didn't go. God. And <laughs> what we did do is we went to an expensive restaurant, which we never did, because we were broke, and everyone got their own meal, because, we which we never do, because Papa is Scotch. And we had so much fun and laughed till I almost died. My son's about killed me that night laughing so hard. We had the most fabulous time of our lives as a family, I would say, which might have been, well, who knows. But, here's the point. Here's the real point of all that craziness. When you seek to lead 
an individual or a family to Jesus, it's not automatically fun or easy. Or pretty. Or pretty. <laughs> and none of us know exactly what happened, you know. But what we said was pretty close to the truth. And, and, and Debbie was rightly thinking, we should have a party in it. It really, this one day expense is not the issue. But she had a perspective, I had a perspective. We were both trying to hear the, well, I think we were both trying to hear the, <laughs> I have to be careful what I say here. The point is, leadership is tough. And, I'll say it again, what I said in the Sunday school class, I think, one of the things that we have to say as dads especially, but hopefully as Christian parents, that we'll say to our kids about ourselves, I hope every mom and dad can say to the kids, I don't want my way. In fact, we're not going to do it my way. And that this I'm talking now as we get a little older. But further, I really don't want it your way. Because I love you. It's my responsibility, it's our responsibility to help us all try to find Jesus' way because His way is the best way. And that is hard work. The story is kind of crazy, isn't it? But it illustrates, and it was our life. We tried to live by following Jesus as a family. And we're very glad we did. We're so glad we did. So, I hope that's... Uh, Hmm. Is that helpful? <laughs> You're human. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one's questioning that. Okay. Um, we're, we're doing great time-wise. Um, let me. I'm. I'm gonna just. I want to take time to tell you one quick story before we leave. Be, but before I do that, I'd be happy for us either to entertain questions, just talk about this, or to model. The one-on-one -on -one meeting. We didn't. We got to model a little bit. The kids last night. You saw that. For most of you were here last night. But I, I'd be happy to model the one-on-one -on -one meeting if that would be helpful, or if you'd rather just dialogue. I, th I think there might be some questions, and that might be better. Uh, Pastor, do you have any preference? I'm, I won't put you on the spot. If you don't have a strong feeling, I'll go it myself. Um, I think let's not. Um uh, model the one-on-one. Okay. All right. I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Okay. I just did. Okay. Good. Let's see if there's any conversation, questions, criticism. We welcome it. We'll react and punch, but no. Yes. Yes. Two answers. The highest principle is no. But he did care if he was important enough to be included in the conversation because he's to be the head of the family. If we're to bring every thought captive into obedience to him, thoughts are pretty small compared to spending how much $480 for one night when there are other uses of the money. And so the first answer is, no, that isn't the issue. The issue is, is he really the head of the home? And how do we make him the head of the home? That is, by letting him have his way instead of us doing what we think or we feel or we want. So the issue is relationship with Jesus. The practicalness is, in my mind, yeah, actually he does care. But it's, that's not the primary issue. Yes? As, um, uh, 
as dad, there were times when you just looked at your kids and said, well, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And you took delight in seeing your kids delighted. Mm-hmm. And I think this applies to the, does Jesus want us to go to Disneyland mm-hmm. uh, discussion as well? That there, mm-hmm. so I think there is precious little that pleases the heart of the Father or the Son mm-hmm. more than watching us choose. I want to not risk our relationship, but I'm going to. I love our relationship. I'm gambling. I believe what you're saying, but I will tell you what I think. There's way, way, way too much of that as we've drifted. It's clear so far over here to the gray side and the left side how God delights in watching us play our games and doing our stuff and it makes Him happy because we're happy. And you probably would never take it to the extremes I've heard it, but I'm not responding to what you said, but I hear others saying. And they're saying it loudly so that anything goes and anything in whatever we want, God's a happy Father. So it's that very home, that very family that Debbie was talking about, which is the kids run the, run the roost and, and Dad's just happy to watch his kids. You're not saying anything like that. I no, but I'm I'm saying that's out there and it's not right. Are there times when we as human fathers are like our Heavenly Father when He just delights in watching us do a bubble bath? Yeah. Absolutely. Are we taking that too far? Maybe. So it's we gotta keep thinking. There are not we don't live by laws, we live by relationship. So sometimes dead father, dead might, the Holy Spirit might well have said to Debbie, now this is going to be a really bad theological statement here, might very well have said to Debbie, why don't you go to Disneyland? And she heard the Holy Spirit, and that was him. And, yeah, I like that interpretation. <laughs> First time you ever heard us. Right. I'm mellowing in my old age. <laughs> it pays to get old. So, but he might have also, now this is really going to make someone irritated with me, he might have said to me, he could have said to Debbie, go to Disneyland, and he might have said to me, don't go to Disneyland, because he knew it would create an environment where we would have a very significant conversation about how much do we follow Jesus, how important is Jesus, and have the best time we'd ever had. So God is pretty sharp. He might Maybe both of us were hearing him. He, he he is not he's not tyrannical. He's not manipulative. But he does have wisdom. I'm not pushing that as a theology. Most of the time, we decide if we go to Disneyland by sheer logic that he's given us based on Scripture and all the circumstances and and the Holy Spirit. If we're missing it too much, probably says ah, you're missing it quite a bit. But thank you for both of those comments. Um, and this wasn't the first time that we came to the family and wanted to, to find out what Jesus wanted. Um, when the kids were 10, we were in a building program at Moscow. You know the dome? We were there to build the dome. And, oh yeah, John and Sandy were there too. And, and so when we were doing that, um, we had all this money to pay for the building. And so it was like four long years of helping to pay for the building. And I used to say, they'll know we are Christians by our cars, by our cars because we had cars that were all falling apart. I mean, I was stranded a lot of times because my car wasn't running. And so after four years, Hal decided that it would be good if we went out and got a car that worked. And so we got one that um, was, it was a used car, but it was nice. And in fact, I, I just was, after being 
in this other situation for so long, I just loved it. You know, I, I would push a button and the light would go on. And I'd push a button and the music started. And I mean, it all worked. It was just so great. And and I even called this our love compartment. I mean, I, I never really liked cars that much, but I thought this car was so great. Well, we had it for about six months. And my husband comes home and he goes, we still need more money to pay for the building. He says, I think we should, as a family, all go to prayer and ask Jesus what he wants us to do. We might need to sell the car. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) So we all went to prayer. And when we came back the next week, um, child number one says, I think it's a test. God wants to see if we're going to put material things ahead of him. And then the second child and the third child and the fourth child all had answers just like that. And I'm thinking, no, the car! But, but the point is, we were comrades in the faith. We were, we don't have a junior Holy Spirit. And as early as you can, bring your children in to seeking what God's will is for your family. I think that that meant so much to them that they were, that we're, we're, we're in this together. We're going to help each other in following Jesus. Thank you. Of course we did. <laughs> Aren't you glad, women, that you didn't have a husband like me? Can you imagine the tyranny of it all? The point, once again, is what does God value and what does He want? Are we listening and walking by the Spirit or are we living by the flesh? What I did on Sunday morning around that table, cute little story, devastating. Think about it. Devastating. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer. My faith is in Jesus. I'm not going to do what I think because I trust Jesus. I'm going to do what I want because I trust Jesus. That just cuts across all of our selfishness, all our pride, all our preferences, and we get to deny ourselves. And t- I mean, that sounds kind of rough, but guess what? Let me just—it's so good. Truly, I'm not. I really am irritated with a lot, not all, but a lot of the health and wealth stuff that I hear. But I want to say, when Jesus said that he would give us abundant life through our faith in him, I deeply, I believe it. I think that our life, our life, is so rich and so full, if you knew our, us, our family, our blessings, our joy, our purpose, our energy, you'd say, wow, where does that come from? And we say, flopping, miserably, failing often, but radically being determined to know and follow Jesus together as a family. Uh, I'm pushing hard what's best for you in my mind. I believe what I prayed last night, I don't remember why, but this morning. If we will seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, our Father will see to it that these other things are taken care of 
There might be tornadoes come, there might be enemies come, but I believe with all my heart that the inside, the real inner person, we will have life and delight like we never dreamed if we do it our way. I believe that with all my heart. I'm not selling Jesus to make your life happier. Yes? What? You're exactly right. I'm not, I'm not pushing Jesus in order to say, use Jesus to get what you want, though that is why most of us come to him. I'm a, I'm all, all about, doesn't make any difference what happens to me. I want to follow Jesus, but I am testifying. My life is extraordinarily blessed. Let me, let me finish with just one more quick thing. But let me scan. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go on? Any questions you have? Comments? Yes, ma'am? Uh, what's your opinion on um, the kids seeing conflict between the parents? Not that mm-hmm. they ever have any. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the board members. Yeah. 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 Those people out there. Yeah. Thank you. Great question. Do you, I mean, tell what you think? Yes. I was going to defer to Debbie. My commitment is to have the fa- the husband and wife be a team when you're in front of the children. That I think that um, a united front is the very best. I think it builds security in them. And then they, I mean, I think that they, it's okay if you calmly say, we've come to agreement. We didn't start there, but we have come to agreement. But I feel like that that's very important for them. And I see it exactly the opposite. That's why I spoke first. (laughs) That's why I deferred. I perceive that the kids need to learn the conflict happens. People disagree. And if done in honoring ways, modeling listening, not fighting, not screaming, but modeling how adults handle differences to come to resolution around the Lord, I think it's the best training ground in the world for kids. We totally disagree. We've tried to meet in the middle. Um, I don't know how well we did. But to this day, we totally disagree. And we've survived. And the kids have survived. And I don't know how many times we didn't have conflict in front of the kids because I knew that Debbie was saying, no, and we'd really have a conflict later if I, you know, I have no idea how many times we did work it out in front of the kids because I, we both knew we disagreed totally. And so it was a little of both. That doesn't help. And, you know, I just believe so much in the modeling and seeing, but, but who knows for sure. Okay. Life is real. And I, though I won't push my, we have a different opinion. Yes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. He's about to go to sleep. (laughs) Okay, good. All right. One last word and, and we'll knock off. And, and again, thank you so much. Uh, you, you're, you're wonderful. I'm praying it's a little bit helpful. I, I hope it's a little, it's, it's a start maybe. Um, it, I'll say it's very idealistic, but why would we want to mess around with something that's not the ideal? But as long as we know we're saved by grace, scripture says aim for perfection. 
How often do we hit it? Oh, about once every hundred thousand times. But aim, and we'll do better next week, and we'll keep making progress. We're saved by grace, and let, let's go for the highest, but we have to figure out what the best is. See, I mean, these are real issues. And people talk about Debbie and I being absolute opposites. You didn't notice that, did you? <laughs> we are. We're just, we're, we're just opposite. Back to this. I wanted, I wanted the children to see me submitting to him and not trying to convince him and sway him. And I wanted a picture of camaraderie and submission to be what they took away. So that's why that was important to me, not to be public. And I think it's good that they understand both sides. And if it is done in private, I think it's good to talk about it and to explain it. And that might be a way of resolving if you can't come to agreement. It might be good situation by situation to say, do we talk about this in front of kids or do we go in the bedroom? Who knows? Okay, thank you. So many questions about this and anyone would be an idiot to write a book on parenting, wouldn't they? Okay. Um, I finish where I started Sunday morning in the second service or first service maybe. Our son, when I asked him, remember, what did you take away? What do you think was the most important thing in our parenting? Remember what his third one was? He said, well, the third most important thing are all of your meetings with us and we appreciate all those things you did for us in trying to connect us to the Lord very intentionally. He said that was third. He said the second most important thing was we knew that you loved us. Whoa. He said the most important thing was we knew that you both were very, very more committed to Jesus than anything else, you love Jesus with all you had. And I'm going to leave that with you. you. That's just going to show up all the time. You can tell who we care about by our conversation, by our money, by our time. You, you, you just know. It just comes through. And you can't fake it. And so somehow, the, the only way to actually love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is you've got to know Him. You've got to stare at Him. That's why we start our meetings with, who do you say that I am? And I pray that the, the thing you'll take from this is that the most important thing you can ever do for your kids or your spouse is to stare at Jesus so that you love Him. And you want what He wants. You don't want what you want. You want what they want, you want what he wants. There was a... I don't know, shall I tell a horse story? There was a... Uh, it, it, it's a... Yeah, I'll, I'll do it quick. There was a uh, legend about a king. A set of kings. And there was one king who controlled the whole known area of the world. The other kings couldn't figure out why 
he always won in battle, but his armies always won. So they made a, those kings all got together and they, they made an alliance to try to overpower this other king who was more powerful than all of them put together. And so they made this alliance, they tried to figure out what to do, how to win the wars, and finally decided they would send in spies to see what, to see what these what this king did that caused him to win the wars and the spies came out saying it's their horses and so they watched what the king did to train the horses and they realized it was the difference in the horses was the difference in winning and losing the battles and so they and they saw the meticulous way in which they trained these horses they get all these horses and they put them through all kinds of training processes and and they teach the horses to obey all these various commands and and there was one particular command that the horse had to learn to obey and that was the command to come to the king, no matter what. And, because they wanted to train horses, not for the king, but for the leaders. And so they had special training for the horses that were the strongest, the fastest, the smartest, the most noble, the most, they would, they would identify the best of the best horses. And then they put them through this last extra training. And, and the training was to come to a particular whistle. A particular whistle. It would be the whistle that the king would have. And in battle with the, the, the noise and the clashing and the screaming and the hollering, those horses had to hear that whistle and no matter what, no matter what, come to the whistle. So they put them all through all kinds of intensive training processes. And then they picked the very best of the best from those to see if they could find some horses that were the right ones for the king to take into battle. And the last test was this. They'd find a hillside, steep hill, with a river running that had cut the gorge. And, and they go up that hill and they build a corral. And then they put the best of the best of the best horses in that corral. And then they wouldn't give them any water or food for a day. The horses could do without food, but the thirst, they could hardly live without water. And those horses would, they could smell the water right down the hill, and they were the powerful, they would be pawing trying to knock this corral wall down, and they couldn't knock it down. And by the end of the day, their energy was gone from trying to get out, and they were dying from thirst, and they'd wait another day with no water or food. Now the horses were almost too, too weak to even paw at the walls anymore. They'd wait another day. Third day. No food, no problem really, but no water, they're about to die. Literally. They would about die without water for the third day. At the end of the third day, they would throw open the gate that opened to let the horses out. And those horses would see the gate open, they could smell the water, they could see the water, and with what energy they had, they would get up and make their way to the water, and the closer they got, the faster they went because gravity was pulling them, and they could smell the life-giving water, and they were hitting down, and when they got almost to the water, they would blow the whistle that means, come to the whistle, come to the king, back in the corral. And the horses were trained and all of them would instinctively hearing that whistle, they would jar with what strength they had. They'd, they'd look around. And almost everyone would then go ahead and give in to their own 
need, not desire, but need, and drink and save their life. But every once in a while, every once in a while, there'd be a horse. Smell the water, hear the whistle, jar, look back, smell the water, and then with what little strength they had, bring the momentum of the gravity pulling them, stop it, turn around, and trudge back up the hill, denying themselves of the very life-giving water that they had to have in order to respond to the whistle of the king. Now, I don't know what you think about all we've talked about, but I want to say to you, you're doing something far more important than being a horse for a king. God has given you this unbelievable opportunity and responsibility with children, with grandchildren, and your own flesh will want to take care of your legitimate needs. And the world will call you. But I want tonight to say, the king is looking for a few faithful servants who will, he can ride into the battle of raising kids. And it's a battle. And he needs really, really committed soldiers. Not, first of all, to do things with the kids, but first of all, to be those who are obviously listening for the whistle. Whatever the king says, they'll do it at any cost. It's who you are. So much more than what you do. Does that make sense? It's who you are. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Jesus, I thank you for the privilege, the infinite privilege of being here. I pray, I pray your help, your divine empowerment to this pastor, these leaders, every parent is a leader, every grandparent is a leader. Most important leaders in the world are the parents called to lead their children over and over and over to you by their life and by their practices. I trust you to empower them. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you.